everyone, welcome to another episode of The Current Status. My name is Holly Lehman. You can find me on Twitter at Lehman underscore underscore Holly. I am so excited to have this episode today and be joined by so many friendly faces. Pamela, one of our, uh, our hosts, go ahead, introduce yourself. I'm Pamela Schmidt, also known as Exchange Goss on the Twitters. Uh, Ed, my other co-host. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Teresa Miller. You can find me on Twitter as at 24 by 7 IT Connect. And we have a fantastic guest today. I'll let him also introduce himself and then we'll kick off our topic. So Jason, if you can share with the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, happy to. My name is Jason Keith. I'm the CEO and founder of Social Fresh. And Social Fresh is a social media consultancy and most people know us from our annual conference that we do, Social Fresh Conference, uh, that we typically do in person every year until, of course, this year. Well, we're excited to have you, Jason. The reason that we thought this would be such a great topic is, as you've already mentioned, so many things are changing in our world and things are going virtual. And I had the privilege of joining the last Social Fresh online experience. And it was really, really fascinating. Some of the things that, you know, you and Nicole have done to get more creative and, you know, new ideas to make these events still impactful and, um, you know, interactive. So I'd love for you to tell us a bit about from when COVID hit and what made you decide to go, you know, virtual, what it took to get to, the, you know, go live and, and the event and some of the learnings that we were talking about earlier that you and Nicole have made happen and made it successful. Yeah, so we, I mean, we produce an annual conference for social media marketers. Um, we've been doing it for over 10 years, 25 conferences. We now just do one per year. And it's usually 300 people, very intimate, single track. And, you know, we had already been selling tickets for this year's conference for November. Um, and when COVID hit, you know, we knew right away that, you know, ticket sales, sponsor sales, everything was just on hold for months. That was kind of our initial expectation. We didn't really know how much longer. Um, but the more clarity we've gotten since then, we, you know, maybe maybe somewhere in mid-April, we realized until there's a vaccine, events just won't be the same. Um, and around that same time, I was getting a ton of, we were doing monthly, I mean, sorry, weekly uh, video chats and still are doing them on a regular basis with social media managers. And we were just get, getting such a variety of questions that we had never gotten before from brands about their social media. You know, a lot of tone of voice, a lot of, uh, you know, what type of content can we even post? Uh, what type of approval process should be changed? You know, a lot of questions that were very specific to industries, whether it's house cleaning and plumbers and electronics and all kinds of things, right? I mean, we were just getting so many questions. So we decided to uh, react to that pretty quickly, have a virtual conference that was focused on answering those COVID response questions and having those conversations when it comes to how businesses need to adapt uh, to this kind of crazy world that we're all living in now. Um, so we did an event quicker than we've ever done before. It took us five weeks uh, to spin it up and had over a thousand people show up. And it was, um, you know, it was a huge learning experience. We've done virtual type events before, but never on this scale. And we learned a ton and it was, uh, you know, the biggest reward of course, is we got probably the most positive user uh, attendee feedback that we've ever gotten of how helpful it was and we reached more people than we've ever reached around the world in over 90 countries. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a wild experience. We learned a lot, but it was very rewarding. 
So, so what did the, people, oh. well, what did people learn? I don't actually, I'm not familiar with your events. So for anybody who's not familiar, what would they mm -hmm. learn at one of your events? Yeah, so it's perfect for anybody on the social media team or working with the social media team. So we get a lot of marketing brand comms folks um, that are managing, uh, whether it's directly the accounts, you know, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera, um, or the folks that are managing those teams that are trying to learn how social media can work better for their organization. So we also get small business owners, startups, um, and leaders of marketing in general. And we focus on very actionable results. So how social media can work for business. And 90% of that is focused on pure marketing uh, KPIs. So whether that's brand or conversion, uh, direct to consumer sales, um, lead generation, most of those categories represent most of the content and attendees that uh, come to our events. Um, and increasingly we're focusing more and more on creative. So how brands can create uh, better content on their social channels, content that stands out uh, that's unique, that's fun, that's great for the brand and gets engagement, gets conversions. So that's, you know, at least half of our content is focused on that as a theme, typically. That's awesome. So what do you think worked about changing platforms? You said that you went from in-person, intimate to virtual, tripled, right? You tripled your size, more than tripled your size. So what worked, what didn't work? Well, I mean, it, you know, online events are much easier to attend and also it was, you know, the cheapest event that we had ever done for attendees to attend. We had scholarships for people that were out of work due to COVID. And we also had uh, a few hundred free tickets at the very beginning for people who wanted to sign up uh, for a free level that could attend all the keynotes. Um, so, so making it accessible was important to us on multiple levels and that helped a lot. But also you just we just had more reach. People don't have to fly, people don't have to um, you know, book a hotel, uh, they don't have to get as much approval. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why virtual events have broader reach. Um, and that was a big part of it for sure. So with virtual events, so you were physical before now, now you're virtual. Was there any kickback in terms of, oh, now you're, you're going to charge us for a virtual event? Because I know that um, some other big tech companies are having virtual yeah. events and, it, and it's kind yeah. of like a mix, right? Some of it's free and some of it's not. I, I know um, Microsoft Build and Microsoft Ignite is completely 100% free. So I'm just kind of curious what the attendees, um, uh, from what you're saying, looks like they it was a paid virtual conference. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think um, none really for us. Uh, one of the okay. reasons is we had a lower price than we normally okay. do. Uh, and we, we did that on purpose, number one, because we knew there was a lot of need in the market um, and we wanted to, it to be available to as many people as possible. So we did have some free tickets. We did have some sponsor, uh, some scholarships. Uh, but secondarily, our, our highest price ticket was $500, which is about half of what we normally charge for our in-person okay. events. Yeah. So, I mean, for our, our next, we're actually planning our next virtual conference right now. Um, our ticket prices are going to go up a bit. It's going to be a smaller event. Um, so, you know, we're learning event by event how we can best serve the uh, serve the market. And I think I think you can charge for these events. I just think you have to be the expert. I think you have to be the expert voice in what people are, are want because there's still training budgets. There's still people that need to have continuing education mm -hmm. that are looking for networking for like a very specific group of people. Right. Um, so if you're looking to network with other very professional social media marketers, you come and talk to us. If you're looking to connect with other brand marketing people that are working on social, you come and you attend our events. And we have a built-in audience that respects that and understands that. And I think that allows us to to charge a little bit. I think, you know, 
can we charge the same as our in-person physical events? Probably if the experience is in its own way valuable enough. And I think that would be, you know, a different value prop than an in-person event in many ways. And we, we're kind of exploring exploring that still. How do you handle sponsorships? Because I, I know a lot of the events, you know, the sponsors pay for yeah. uh, a lot of the functions. So how, how does that come into play? Because a lot of times the sponsorship are the, are the happy hours, you know, or, or um, certain um, events that they'll have. So yeah. just Can I curious. just say one thing? The way you did your happy hour, Jason, was I thought really cool. I, I found it to be entertaining. I wondered how you were going to facilitate it and the way you did it. I would love if you chatted a bit about that because it was really, it was fun. It was interactive. And I left being more connected to people and I didn't expect to have that experience. So I personally left feeling like I got something out of it. My network grew. I learned a ton and it was really fun. So I would love for you to, to chat a bit about that. Yeah, so we did two happy hours. We, you know, we had a, we have a typically have a VIP ticket, um, and that VIP ticket uh, is able to attend our speaker VIP happy hours at our physical conference, at our in-person conference. So we we brought that over to the virtual conference, and it was hugely successful. And then we also did a a conference-wide happy hour that was sponsored by Patron, um, and they provided a. Uh, and I'll go into a little more detail on both, but the Patron happy hour, they uh, we had this great creative idea with Patron where you would go to your pantry and make the best cocktail out of your pantry. It was a pantry Patron challenge, right? We had a hashtag for it. And I, I wasn't sure if people were gonna get into it and make the drinks and tweet them out, but a ton of people did. Mm -hmm. They made amazing drinks. And Patron had this great bartender that works for them doing like all kinds of mixology and showing people kind of the core elements of a cocktail. And, and that was really fun and exciting. We got a, great, a, a lot of great feedback for that. Um, the VIP uh, speaker happy hour was also a lot of fun. We had about a 50 people attend that and it was just over Zoom. It was the only thing we didn't do. Uh, it was the only thing we did on Zoom for the whole conference. It was just a kind of a one-off piece. Um, and we did a, um, as a icebreaker and kind of a connection piece of it, we did a scavenger hunt. So the scavenger hunt, the way that works, and I highly recommend people try this. It works really well for probably anywhere between like 10 to 50 people. Um, and you can also break into teams on Zoom to do it, which is what we're gonna try next. Uh, but you just have a list of kind of crazy off the wall things, not like too crazy, but things that there's a chance someone will have in their house and they and they just go and search their house and try to find it and bring it back. So like an easy one we did was something that has a social network on it, like a social social network logo. So people had hats and, and pillows and things like that, especially with our audience. Uh, but we also did random stuff like who has the oldest out of date item in their pantry um who can find oh, a God. Blue who, can, <laughs> who can who can find like a like a blue shoe the quickest who has the oldest um electronic device in their house uh right uh, I thought so the was fun because then people started to tell stories about the shoe like it was super random and one was like a blue velvet shoe and one was like a, a really cute stiletto and so everyone yeah. started tell their story about these random objects in their pantry or the blue shoe and it really did it, it was interesting because it did create that feeling of a, you would have at a conference yeah i mean it, it's a it's an easy entree into networking where you don't have to actually say anything you can just find a random object in your house and then somebody might ask you a question about that or you're just rooting on other people so i think it's a it's a really easy way especially virtually to engage people so one of the things that I've seen is that when groups, especially on virtual platforms, get too big, it turns into like there's two or three people that kind of 
take over the, mm-hmm. the platform and nobody else feels like they can speak or might be a little more intimidated to speak. So how are you overcoming that? Yeah, I mean, we really never saw that problem. Um, and if, I think number one, you can limit the sizes of, of those kind of Zoom networking rooms, like the regular Zoom meeting we're all, we're all used to where all the talking heads are on the screen. That's number one. And then after that, you after a certain size of maybe, I'd say up to like 40, 50 people, maybe even 30 people is a limit on that for real engagement. Um, after that, you should look at more of like a webinar style, a presentation style where one or a few people are presenting and everyone else is asking questions in the chat. Um, you can also do the whole, you know, technology, raise your hand and then come on video. I think that's technically challenging. Um, and kind of timing, the timing of that is challenging. So I think you just have to break the event into pieces. If you really want networking, make sure it's in smaller groups. Um, having MCs, having moderators that can guide those groups is also heavily advised. If it's, you know, if you're gonna have 20 breakout groups in a conference, I think you should probably have 20 moderators or people that volunteer to be moderators from your attendees so they know how it's, you know, what the goal, what the, what the um, kind of guidelines are for those breakouts and what people can really get out of them so they can keep keep the group on a, a little bit of a shorter lease and a little more focused, you know? Um, but in general, you know, the type of networking you get in an in-person conference is hard to replicate, if not impossible to replicate with a virtual conference. So you have to find other ways um, to get at that networking opportunity to get at those uh, you know, hallway conversations that we all love so much about in-person conferences. And there are ways to do that. We've described a couple of them already, um, but it's just, just getting around the assumption that you want to replicate exactly what an in-person conference is and realize you're going to be doing it in different ways with different experiences and getting used to that. So what what, what were they besides like the happy hour? Because Microsoft is well, coming up here in you know, <laughs> September. You know, I'm kind of thinking, I'm thinking of ideas like how, you know, how is our team going to make this event that we're expecting thousands and thousands yeah. of people to attend to feel like they are physically with us? And that it's really hard to achieve. So I'm, I'm very curious, you know, and yeah. how you guys went about this because I want to do yeah. it. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the easiest first thing is to uh, embrace and en- encourage the chat in a community that okay. a chat can can produce. It doesn't seem like a chat is a great community, but I mean, there's, you know, Twitter was essentially a chat room when it starts and still is in many ways. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a live chat room uh, can be very powerful to make sure to engage that chat in all presentations at the very beginning, ask people where they're watching from, ask people you know, what they're drinking while they're watching, like simple questions that can get them engaged. And the, the chat will start talking to each other even while the presentation is going on. And it's actually a benefit for everyone because more questions get answered with a live chat and a presentation mm-hmm. than otherwise. So you can have speakers on a panel that are answering questions in the chat while someone else is answering a different question live on video, right? Those types of experiences are a small way, but a, a pretty important way to build community. Um, I'd also say uh, dedicated networking time is is pretty essential. And what that looks like is different for every size event, but you can have breakout rooms in a lot of the online virtual conference platforms where there's a 20 person room times 100 or times 10, and each of those is dedicated to a topic or each of those is just spillover where you join whichever one you can and there's a clear goal for why you're networking. Is it meet people like you that are working on the same type of role you have in your in your job or in the same industry or have the same problem, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
I also think having uh, games that people can play is, is really kind of a, a good icebreaker for a lot of these. Um, and not all virtual conference platforms have this. Um, we're actually looking for a solution for this, but having some type of dedicated threaded you know, social comment board is also pretty important where people can ask questions, other people can answer, um, and it's more of a static uh, chat than like a live chat, right? Somewhere just like a blog comment thread or just like a Facebook threaded comments. Um, a lot of platforms don't have that, some of them do, but having something like that where people can go in and create some type of community before and after the event, I also think is pretty important. So none of that sounds like a hallway conversation at a conference, but all of it over the course of time builds a great community presence. But I have to say, you, you, your, you and your team did something that I thought was really helpful, and I think led to that chat conversation experience because you provided these questions in advance, so that when you, as the moderator, kind of think like, "Oh, what do I? What should I post now?" You've already seeded that, and that was super helpful. But I do yeah. have one question. Um, so a lot of the people that are following the current status, they are on the more technical side of things. And you had mentioned that you found you and Nicole went through some experiences in, in the tech side of it. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, so we, I reviewed over 50 platforms as options for our, our conference. Uh, we narrowed it down to maybe five or six and then down to two and down to one. And we ended up going with Hopin. Uh, which I think is a great platform. It's a newer ones. Pretty much all the ones we looked at were newer, um, which means for us, they were a little more nimble. They were a simpler interface, better user experience, better designed platforms. Um, one of the challenges we had is we did not load up a huge, um, you know, like green room opportunity. We didn't have as much of a backstage that we wanted. So what that means is, a lot of these platforms like Hopin, there is a backstage, but when that backstage goes live, everyone in that backstage goes live with it. Same with StreamYard, right? There's not like a secondary layer of live video behind this. So for me, there, there needs to be um, a place where speakers can be rehearsing in the same room that they're going live in, even if someone else is currently live. Because otherwise what happens is you have to have dead air. You have to turn off the live broadcast for a couple minutes, mm -hmm. or you have people just going live without any prep and neither of those is a good option. Um, so the way this is done with production is you have somebody running production and they have multiple video streams um, and they can feed in different streams whenever they're ready to go. That's a technical layer, that's a software layer that exists, but technically it's challenging for a lot of people um, and it creates a lot more staffing and resource uh, heavy commitments that a lot of events can't do. So I think the event platform that gets that right um, at, a, at a decent price point is really going to do well um, because I would go to them right away. I mean, it's that, that's probably the biggest challenge is the is prepping speakers and getting them ready and not having dead air in between uh, those opportunities. And also, I think one of the things we learned is you just have to over prepare speakers more so than you do for an in-person event, because at an in-person event, if there's a technical challenge, you know, I can run over and fix the mic personally. I can go on stage and I can start you know, talking through a dead air and make it, you know, go smoother. Uh, somebody can run up and put the wire in the right place, right? But when a speaker has a technical challenge and it's virtual, they're tech support. They're their own tech support, right? So you really have to over-prepare the speaker. We ended up doing probably two rehearsals with almost every speaker. Um, and there's even layers of prep that I, th I think we're going to add for the next one, not more rehearsals, but more like having like a note card of, five steps they, they literally talk through before they go live with us. 
uh, something like that. So there's um, Practice, a lot more right? prep. There's a lot more prep for, for that end of it. I think uh, that people have to be aware of they're doing a virtual conference. What about um, people are getting screen burnout. So how did you deal with making sure what was being presented was digestible? And did you do anything different? Like, did you do a day long event or did you break things up? What, how did you help people with that? How did you keep their attention span? Like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm all over the place. So, well, you know. I, think we're, I think we're lucky that we were already kind of set up well for this because the way we run our conferences is single track, um, one stage, and all sessions are 30 minutes or less. That was how our in-person conference was, and that's what we brought over to our virtual conference. Um, and that helps a lot. And we, we also put a heavy, heavy focus on prepping speakers in general with their content, with their decks, with their stage presence. Every speaker has different needs. Some of them come ready to go, right? But a lot of speakers that we bring on board are not you know, professional speakers. They're professional social media marketers, professional marketers, and we're bringing this great knowledge out of them. So we work with them a lot to make sure it's great content on stage. So that's one piece of it. A second piece, um, we had great MCs and moderators that helped us transition and get people's attention. Um, and then we, we made sure that people weren't watching sessions for more than three to four hours at a time. Uh, so our conference was every three days and we basically had five blocks. We had an A through E block. Uh, we started in the afternoon on a Wednesday and we finished in the afternoon on a Friday. And we took two and a half hour breaks in the middle of the day uh, so that there was no content in the middle of the day that people had to commit to so they could do work, they could do lunch, they could do whatever home commitments they have and still tune in to most of what they wanted. Um, and I think in general, having happy hours, having fun pieces of it and having, um, I think, more discussion content versus PowerPoint keynote presentation content is, is, is more adept at keeping people's attention and making it interactive. Um, it's, you know, it's a lecture versus a discussion, right? Now, I think you can still have as many solo present presentations with PowerPoint, with decks as you want, but I would encourage people to have more discussion, have more panels, have more interviews, have more live Q and A's, because I think those are more engaging in this platform. And they're also more of a, they're easier technically to produce uh, for most of those speakers and allow for more interactivity and more community and engagement with the audience. Uh, so those are a few pieces that we use to keep it kind of moving in a, in a good energy. What about, did you do live presentations and were your presenters on screen? Yeah, all of our content was live. We did, have, I mean, we had, we actually did have uh, five pre-recorded workshops that were available to our, um, our high-end tickets. Um, and those people did a live Q&A, uh, but everything else was live presentations. Um, I'd say about half of our content was solo presenters presenting from a deck and the other half was either interviews, uh, panels or uh, Q&A discussions. Awesome. Yeah, I could see well, that variety being helpful. Yeah. I mean, one of the challenges also of the solo presenter is most people don't know how to present a slide deck from their computer while at the same time being able to see a live chat that they're presenting into, right? Especially if you only have one screen, you can't do it. Um, so, you know, if you have two screens and you know how to do it, you can accomplish that, but it takes, it takes a little, you know, it takes a little technical, uh, challenges to overcome that. So if you're presenting and you don't have any feedback from the audience and you don't see the chat at all, you don't see the questions coming from the chat, that's a challenge. Um, there's ways to overcome that a little bit, but I, I, that's one reason to reduce that type of presentation, I think. Cool. 
Well, looking at the time, Jason, we asked a certain amount of time from you, and I try to stick to that. I really enjoyed this session. Um, I think that we're learning a ton from you and your company moving forward into this virtual event space that we're going into. Um, I really appreciate the information that you shared with us. A lot of us with in this call and our audience, we're going to be attending or even hosting some of our own virtual events. So we're, what do they say? We're in this together, right? So I learned a ton. This was really fun. I appreciate your time and thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If anybody has questions for me, I'm at Jason Keith with K-E-A-T-H. If you want to follow up, let me know, reach out and say hello. All right. Take care. Thank you everyone. Yes. Yeah. Bye. Bye. We will.